0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.
1: Hello, Mike, we're rolling. Hello, 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 and welcome to Ages and Icons. That's terrible. It I'm Mike
2: <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Gina Bucci. Hello.
1: I was horrible.
2: Well, today's, you know what, but it was just in the spirit of today's Cockney guest, Michael Caine.
1: Yeah, Michael Caine. That, that I, uh, I'm a huge, huge Michael Caine fan. Mm-hmm. And when you are interviewing him, especially if it's only like for us, we were speaking to him on the phone. If you only hear his voice you only, you picture in your head all of your favorite Michael Caine characters. He's got one of those most distinct voices. I first got to know him as a kid, or, or not as a kid, but in my, I guess it was teenage years, um, with the Cider House Rules. Mm-hmm. That was when I first really became aware of him, and he, he won the Oscar for that as well. And-
2: what an incredible feat. Well, it was the second Oscar. His first is Hannah and her sisters, right? Uh,
1: yes, yeah. yes.
2: What an incredible feat to not only win the Oscar, for uh, Cider House Rules but I mean he plays he's he's playing a doctor from Boston right from Massachusetts yeah and And he kept his accent yeah
1: he's still Michael Caine (laughs) (laughs) and he Uh, won the Oscar and
2: nobody cares because nobody cares yeah
1: because he's he's Michael Caine because his
2: authenticity in that role
1: He's so good Superseded
2: the fact That he kept his Cockney accent He's
1: so good And when I was talking To him on the phone That's all I could see In my head Was that character Yeah Everybody knows his voice He's one of those actors That you just instantly Recognize it Yeah But uh, yeah How about you What's your favorite Michael Caine performance
2: I came to Michael Caine uh, from Dirty Rod and Scoundrels because nice. I was a big Steve Martin fan and uh, I loved that movie and then I was that that I did not know Michael came before that and um, I loved him in that movie so much <laughs> that then I saw uh, Jaws for the Revenge oh, in God, theaters oh yes
1: I remember seeing that as a kid <laughs> I remember seeing it as a kid, going, "Why the hell is Michael Caine in this movie?"
2: And I remember seeing that as a kid and being like, "Oh my god, he, he's after them! It's the revenge!" I was so into it. Um, turns out, it's a horrible movie. It's a terrible. Um, I love good bad movies. That's exactly what it is. If you want to be offended by an accent, Miro Van Peebles is your guy in that movie. Um, but um, Michael <laughs> oh Caine god, has got. My, in yeah, yes, uh, Michael Caine's got um, one of my favorite quotes about Jaws for the revenge. He's Says, uh, um, I have. I actually wrote it down because I didn't want to misquote it. I have never seen it, but by all accounts, it's terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built, and it's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said. That makes me respect him yeah. even more. Um, he's
1: 85. He's 85 years old, still working. Still
2: like a <laughs> huge name.
1: But it's funny, and I say still working because he did an interview when he was nearing 45 and said that he was going to retire then yeah. at 45 he was like, ah 45 I think I'm a little old for it at that point God, that was like the worst British accent that was no, have done <laughs> but um, I mean you look at his uh, we were talking about this earlier but at his uh, resume in Alfie the Italian job Uh, Sleuth Battle of Britain all these movies
2: have been remade yeah I know but Sleuth he was in the original Sleuth in uh, I think it was like 72 or something early 70s I think with Laurence Olivier then they remade it in the mid 2000s with Jude Law in the Michael Caine role and Michael Caine took over the Laurence Olivier role Hmm.
1: The, the Man Who Would Be King, A Bridge Too Far, Educating Rita.
2: Great movie, yeah. Educating Rita, everybody. Yep, Julie Walters movie. is fantastic.
1: You know what, actually, I, when you asked me my favorite Michael Caine movie, that, that's got to be up there, too. I forgot about that one. But I yeah, remember that's seeing up that there. when I was younger, too. Uh, Hannah and Her Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just goes on and on, and we talked about Cider House rules and such. Um, Can't
2: forget the Batman movies, Dark Knight. Yeah, right?
1: he was Alfred.
2: Mm-hmm. I think a great choice by Michael Caine to take on that role because course, it introduced yeah. him to a whole new audience, yeah. a younger audience that came to him. They got to come to you from somewhere, right? Of course.
1: And he is perfect for that fatherly sort of instinct and relationship Mm -hmm. that Alfred is supposed to have with Bruce Wayne.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: It, It was funny because we... So his latest film is actually a documentary, the one that Michael Caine and I spoke about My Generation My Generation so it's it's uh, a documentary about the 60s about the 1960s the documentary focuses mostly on the 60s in Britain but it does I think echo a lot of what we talk about here at Zoomer Uh, for the experience of the boomer generation in Canada and in America as well. Uh, There's a lot of crossover across the pond, obviously. And uh, it's a really, really great little nostalgic look. It's sort of part autobiographical, sort of Michael Caine explaining where he is during all of these sort of pivotal events through the 60s and where where his career stands, but then also pulling back and looking at the generation as a whole. And and it's a really cool little uh, nostalgic look at, uh, at the generation.
2: Okay, well, let's get to your interview, but Michael King kind of threw us for a loop on this one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we had, uh, he, he was calling from London, I believe, and we were told to expect the call at a certain time. So, uh, bef- you know, I went to have lunch so that I would be on a full stomach for the call. And I guess there was some miscommunication in the timing or the time change or what have you. And I was sitting there with a mouthful of, uh, I don't even remember what I was eating, a sandwich or something. I think it was a sandwich actually, and my phone rings. <laughs> this and, is relevant. Yeah, <laughs> I see this long distance call come in on my cell phone. I was going, "Uh oh, this this might not be good." And I answered the phone, you know, with the full mouthful, "Hello, Mike speaking." And <laughs> like, "Hello, Mike," this is, you know, I'm calling from Michael kane and it's like, "Oh my god," you know. So oh, I, my- <laughs> I was in the cafeteria here at Zoomer. I had to grab all my stuff, and everybody's, you know. Throwing their chairs out of the way so I can plow through and get to my desk to hit the recorder.
2: Then Mike comes to me. Michael Caine's calling me. I'm at my desk editing something, and I'm yeah, because like, we
1: were supposed to be in the studio, right?
2: And I was like, oh my god, no! Like I can't get into the studio. It's locked. We couldn't even get in. Yeah. So long story short, the audio quality is a little bit poorer than than usual lately because um, we just had to record the yeah. Call I was, I was recording
1: it yeah th- through um, uh, the phone at my desk with my right. own recorder.
2: So apologies for that, but I, I still think it's okay, so...
1: Um, and Michael
2: Caine's just as delightful. He's just as delightful. So here's Mike's interview with Michael Caine.
1: Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm good, Michael. You all right? <laughs> I am very good. Thanks so much for your time today. That's okay. Well, first I wanted to tell you that I saw the the documentary and I really enjoyed it, so Congratulations thank
0: you. I'm glad you did. Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah. that's so wonderful. I got my first question sort of off the top was, uh, what made you want to sort of participate in this documentary in the first place?
0: Well, I'm great friends with Simon Fuller. And we were always going to dinner and we're talking, and occasionally we talk about the 60s. And, you know, he's a, he's a professional producer, I'm oh, a co-producer on it. But uh, And one day, he just we were talking about the 60s again, and he said, why don't we put this on a movie? Why don't we do a documentary about it, you know? There's lots of material, uh, and we've got you to do commentary, you know, and everything. And so it came about like that, and, and I was very interested in doing it because it was one of the most important... Not only one of the most important periods in in my life, but one of the most important periods for people of working class in England ever.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you mentioned at the beginning of the documentary how you, when you were a child, you and your friends would ask your parents, what was so good about the good old days? So uh, for yourself, when you're looking back on the sixties, I would ask the same question, you know, in your mind, what was so good about those days?
0: To do the things we wanted to do and and uh, uh um, um how it changed everything for everybody the society was very yeah. uh, deeply uh, uh etched into everything i mean if if you were working class there are things you couldn't do you know you just couldn't do them it didn't matter how what you thought or how clever you were you couldn't do them and the 60s was, i i always saw the 60s is they sort of i mean Mm -hmm. My generation, to quote the title, my generation, like for me, I I was born in in one of the biggest slumps ever, economic slumps in the 30s. Um, I grew up in World War II, and then I was sent to Germany and Korea to fight for my country when I was 20. And then when I got home, it was miserable and smoggy London and there was rationing and it was, it was the 50s, you know, uh, the war was over, but not at home, only with soldiers, you know, and, and then it, we got to the 60s and Khrushchev banged on a table and said, we have the atom bomb you have four minutes to live and basically although no one ever said it through our minds that idea went we've got four minutes to live, we've done nothing but we've had nothing but trouble poverty, war bombing, blitz, killing why the hell don't we have a good time and for four minutes we'll have a good time and we did that's what started it, and it was nothing that anybody said to each other. Nobody led it. It was just individual people just saying, Sud this! I'm, I'm, out. I'm fed up with this. Uh, I'm not going to take this anymore." And we just said, right, we're, we're going to do our own thing and have a good time.
1: And you were 33 at, uh, around that time. You mentioned in the documentary that you felt more like a, sort of a grandfather within that generation. And so,
0: oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was I was uh, the 33 in 1966. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, 1956. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was I was uh, sort of 27, 28 when the 60s started. But they actually started in the 50s. I mean, uh, John Osborne wrote Look Back in Anger in the 50s. It went on with someone who was never, uh, uh, including among the sort of sixty generation, was Richard Burton, right. who was the son of a working class coal miner uh, and became a great actor you know, but he was never included in the 60s because he became a great Shakespearean actor instead of sort of going into working class roles. He did great Hamlets and everything.
1: Right. And I mean, looking back on it now, did you gain any sort of new insight into those times or into your own generation that maybe you hadn't realized before you started working on this documentary?
0: Um, Yeah, I I realized uh, how for so many uh, hundreds of years, my country had been stuck in this uh, barrier, these barriers, you know? I, I'm, I'm the son of a, of, of, of a Cockney cleaning lady, you know? And, and, and you know the way they're treated. You know, and and I, I, I just couldn't believe it. And, and the greatest thing for us in, in the 60s was, was uh, like for actors, was the writers came first. And they started to write about working class people. Right? You know, I mean, I I understudied Peter O'Toole in The Long and the Short and the Tall which was the first British play, stage play about private soldiers ever. It was all about officers. <laughs> we, and we, we never went to, to see British war movies. We went to see American war movies from here to eternity because, and, and that Naked and the Dead, they, they, they were about private soldiers. All British war movies were about officers. British war movies about private soldiers you know yeah. and, and so we, we've we been stuck in that but we were a generation that said we're not going to take it anymore <laughs> and we didn't
1: so I guess it's kind of fortunate for you to have been in your profession at that time had you been trying oh to, 20 God. years I, I, earlier it wouldn't I'm have worked right? person for the timing. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know which had nothing to do with me. I mean the writers came before me. Bill Norton wrote Alfie long before he'd heard about me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, when we talk about the end of the '60s in the movie, um, we talk about how your generation affected change, and now change was beginning to affect your generation. And yeah. now, when we look at your generation, as they they're in their '60s, they're in their '70s, they're in their '80s. Um, I'm eighty-five. Right. Right. And so. Yeah. I mean that, that spirit though of the time period is still within a lot of those people in that generation and I mean I guess my question is do you do you see that spirit within them as they sort of reinvent how we think about aging today just like how they reinvented the world back when oh you know.
0: my god yeah, they've all gone so much further yes. I mean if you just look at what the communications they had computers and everything and everybody has a telephone everybody has a computer in their hands yes. they even have a torch so that they can read the place yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, this generation has not blossomed yet you know yeah. But when it does it will be quite extraordinary I think because their knowledge is unbelievable yeah, and it, I mean I, I have an iPad and I'm forever looking at it at stuff I want to know you know yeah. even in conversations with my wife we will say something you know and you just go say, what what, what date was the Charles Boyer born you know <laughs> and you look it up it's
1: there yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and that's what I mean it seems like maybe uh, previous generations if you were 50 years old or 60 or 70 Or eighty, you were expected to be a certain way, but now with your generation, it's the first one that says, "Well, it doesn't matter if you're fifty or sixty or seventy or eighty. You can do whatever you want." And that seems sort of unique. Oh yeah.
0: Well, the working class uh, obviously did working class jobs, which are dull and boring, and and, and part of the the, 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 the psychology of it was that you couldn't wait to retire Mm -hmm. and live on the pension and not go to work, not get out of our Six in the morning, you know? Yeah. And to live a life where you couldn't wait to retire is unbelievable. We lived a life where we couldn't wait to get up in the morning.
1: Right. right. And so I mean, obviously I know there was a an interview with you back when you were forty or before in your forties, I think, or before you were in your forties, and you mentioned that you'd like to retire by the time you were forty five, and of course that's come and gone and you're you're still <laughs> yeah, <I'm, I'm>
0: eighty five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working, you
1: know. <laughs> and, so, I mean, what fuels that passion for you to keep to keep going and keep working?
0: Well, you have to remember, I'm doing something that I love. Yeah. I, I was an amateur actor. I'm, I'm being paid very well to do something that I did for nothing. I don't tell people I did it for nothing. They <laughs> want me to do it again. But uh, I don't do it for nothing now. But I do something that I love. And when I, when I started it, I, I, I had... I didn't set out to become rich sometimes I see interviews with young people these days and and the the, the reporter will say to them well what what do you want to do in life they say well I want to be rich and famous they don't mention what they're going to do to be rich and, and famous you know I was the exact opposite of that. I knew exactly what I wanted to do I wanted to be an actor and I absolutely knew and positively sure that I would never be rich or famous I had a cockney accent I wasn't very good looking I wasn't a movie star, obviously. And I, I, I was living in this society where the theater wouldn't, you know, it, it was way above my my, my the social grade. And so I became an actor in repertory in the country for nothing. Well, three pounds a week. Mm. Uh, and and knowing that I would rather be rich and famous, and the only thing I did was... I said, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the best actor that I can be. Nothing to do with anyone else. There'll always be actors better than me and worse than me. I'm just going to be the best actor I can be. And that was my standard up to this day of my life.
1: Well, wow. and there's a uh, maybe this is sort of connected to that because you have a great quote in the film that says youth is not a time of life it's a state of mind and uh, which it seems like it's sort of connected to that idea of still going with your passions and I was wondering just for our readers many of whom are uh, in their 60s 70s 80s and so on um, what advice you might give for just sort of keeping that that mentality or in that state of mind where it's it, youth is in your brain not phys- you know on your body necessarily
0: Oh, yeah, well, the, 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 that's the point. Is I mean, to start, as an actor, talking physically, you get to a stage where you're so old, you don't get the girl anymore. So you can't be a movie star. Because yeah. a movie star always gets a girl at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. But then you go on and you become, like me, a character actor, because I wanted to do it. And, and, and I think the trick is... Find another area of what you do that you can do when you get old. I mean, uh, um, if if you're a a, a mad dancer, when you when you get old, you can take up the wolf. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you still be the best person in the world, at uh, the wolf.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And just before we go, I wanted to ask you about uh, about the film, about my generation. It's going to be watched, obviously, by people in your generation, but it's also going to be watched by people who aren't in your generation, maybe who are who are younger and sort of learning about. Oh yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, of course, yes. <laughs> what, what do you ho- if, for those people who are younger who don't know a lot about this that generation? What do you hope they take from this film?
0: that they take from the film that no matter what anybody says to them, they don't have to stay where they are. Hmm. The world is open for you. And don't believe anybody who tells you it
1: isn't. That's a great message. I think that's probably a great message whether you're 15 or 85 or 105, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Kane, I I know we're just about out of time, so I just want to thank you again for your time today and uh, congratulations again on the film. Thank you so much. Thank you interview, Matt. It worked out, uh, considering it was... uh <laughs> had a mouthful of sandwich and had you to did. rush to the desk <laughs> find my interview questions.
2: You know, Mike, don't forget to chew.
1: Yeah, you know, there was a time I... Uh, I had an interview scheduled with Andrea Martin, and she was in the bath when she remembered she had to call me. <laughs> so when, she, when I picked up the phone, she's huffing up, and she goes, I just ran out of the bathtub. I'm soaking wet, but I remembered we had an interview, so I had to call you. So sometimes these things happen, and they make for good uh, good stories.
2: She should have stayed in the bath. It would have been a very relaxing interview. Absolutely. Especially if we were doing a pod. <laughs> Hope you're listening, Andrea Martin. Call us from the bath. <laughs> I would love to do... Oh, I'll take a bath, too, at the same time. Why not?
1: Um... Yeah, Michael Caine, he's got so much history in this business. And and so it was interesting to talk to him about something that wasn't necessarily Hollywood, but talking about his own life growing up in that generation, because that's what Zoomer's about, right? Zoomer, it's boomers with zip. It's about that generation that grew up at that time. And he mentions in the documentary that he was 33 at the beginning of the 60s. So he felt like the grandfather of the generation. Yeah. Um. So he was a little bit older and had maybe a little bit more, I don't know if you want to say nuanced or uh, mature perspective on sure. stuff that was going on compared to somebody who was like 18 and, and just running wild.
2: They have some great, there's some great footage of him at that age. In the oh, 60s. God. Yeah. Yeah. He looks so dashing. Oh, he yeah. looks great. I could see why uh, Mike Myers be kind of based Austin yeah. Powers based <laughs> off of him as Alfie. Um, but um, Michael Caine in general and it was just such a great idea to put him as his dad in, in those movies yeah. but um, yeah Michael Caine when I thought of 60s like especially British 60s always Michael Caine comes to mind yes.
1: Definitely. Yeah, interesting. yeah, that's why he feels so at home in those Austin Powers movies. It's Like, mm-hmm. ah, this is where he belongs. And exactly. There's a great scene in the documentary where he goes back to his childhood street and he goes up to his neighbor's house and it's and the, the woman who lives there now is probably in her 60s or 70s, you know, but she remembers him when he was a kid. Oh wow! And she has this little conversation with him and it, it's very cute, you know, because yeah. like, now he's a famous actor and he goes back and he's so polite and everything to her, but um, yeah, it was a he has a really interesting take. Like he talks about how. The 60s are, uh, it was about, the he says here, freedom uh, to do things you want to do and and how it changed everything for everybody. And uh, Mm -hmm. you really get that from the documentary.
2: Yeah, I liked how he talked about how he feels that this generation, the current millennial generation and even... The one coming up um, after it, the younger kids, how he feels that they have such a sense of um, wanting to change things as they are now, and he thinks that it really mirrors the '60s generation, yeah, because that was the same fight that they were having. Like they, they, he, their perspective in, in this doc is that um, why should we accept what is happening? Like they were the first generation to not accept the status quo, right. and to change it. Right. Yeah, interesting.
1: No, and you see it ev- everywhere today. And I mean, every generation pushes back, uh, to quote Paul Simon. Every generation throws a hero up the pop charts. Every generation wants to break free of their parents' way. But like this generation with social media and you see it, especially in politics in the United States. Where it's there's the like,
2: social change it, that, it is, that yeah. they're pushing for. Not just to, for for an us, for a me.
1: No, no, not just for us. Yeah, for social change. And they're, they're right. taking the social media and it's like teenagers and, and students. Students in schools where there're shootings and stuff and they're, they're going on mm-hmm. social media and they're outdoing the establishment because they, know, they grew up with that. they were born into it, whereas the establishment doesn't isn't as familiar with it right. They, and uh, yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of comparisons. I mean you talk about the '60s and, and now, and <laughs> this is also the comparisons with uh, Trump and Nixon. So yeah it, they, they keep going deep and deep, but it, it's interesting to look back on that generation through the eyes of someone who was so prominent within that generation and he had a great quote in there and I'm just paraphrasing here he mentioned how uh, in the 60s the gener- his generation pushed for change and by the end of the 60s change was was pushing them mm-hmm. uh, and uh, i mean as we all know they had the summer of love and and then the 70s came and and everything really changed with uh, w- at the end of the 60s and and but you look at it now and i was really interesting because that same generation you talk about time-changing them, now they're entering that that sort of third act of life. They're in, they're in their 60s and 70s, and Michael Caine's in 85. And I really loved his quote because I asked him about retiring, you know, because now that, that generation, as we talk about here all the time, is redefining age and, and how we age, mm-hmm. just like how they redefined uh, youth and music and culture and counterculture in the 60s. And he had that great quote about how, you know, back then for the working class, the, the psychology was that you couldn't wait to retire and live on a pension and not go to work and get up at, you know, half past six in the morning. And, and he says, and to live a life where you couldn't wait to retire is unbelievable. We lived a life where we couldn't wait to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you look at someone like Michael Caine and, and so many others of that generation who are in their, like He's 85. There's a lot of people in their 60s and 70s and, and 80s and so on that don't want to retire or they retire from one job and then start a second career a second act. Right. And it, it I think it's just it, part of that generation's DNA.
2: Yeah, just keep interested. Yeah. This is in the documentary, right? My generation. Yes. Youth is not a time of life, it's a state of mind. Yes. And uh, that's totally sums up Michael Caine to me.
1: It, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, cuz he's still going, right? Yeah. But and that is a great he that that's a great sort of thing to remember at any time in life, right? Like you don't have to be 85 to sort of consider that and and he said that at the end of the interview he said I hope that they take from this film that no matter what anybody says to them they don't have to stay where they are the world is open for you and and, uh, don't believe anybody that tells you it isn't and that's great advice whether you're 16 and watching this or whether you're 66 or whether you're 96 you know the world is open to you Uh, I also find it interesting when he talked about being a character actor and how that helped him Mm -hmm. uh, his career continue where um, because I remember we interviewed uh, Christopher Plummer a number of years back and he he has, like, he would know, talk about how he like everybody wanted him to be the leading man because he's so good-looking, but he always wanted to be a character actor. And right. so now at this age, Christopher Plummer in his 80s as well, finally gets to be a character actor. And, you know, Michael Caine is saying the same thing. And I spoke with Susan Sarandon at TIFF, too, actually, this year. And Susan Sarandon said the same thing, that, like, if she had built her career on being the most beautiful woman in the movie every time, mm-hmm. maybe her career wouldn't still be going at 72. Right. So th- it's it's an interesting sort of theme that I find when we talk to a lot of these performers in their 70s and and, and older, that that being a character actor allows them to perform more than if they were just relying on their handsome or beautiful looks.
2: It also... Allows you to play more interesting
1: characters. Oh, of course, <laughs> right? Of course, <laughs> you coined this at uh, one of our first podcasts. You called it Name Drop Lane. Yeah, that I sometimes wander down. But Martin Landau said that too. Oh, sometimes. Oh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> the occasional time I mentioned somebody You're driving else down to
2: today can't go on. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> Mike's coming down me. Name Drop Lane. Get out of the way. We're,
1: we're stopping and taking pictures as we go. Um, but yeah, no. Martin Landau said that once in, in an interview before he passed away. When I was talking to him, he said. Uh, that he refused to play those grumpy old man characters. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm in my 90s. I, why am I playing some grumpy old grandpa? Like, that's such a cliche. I want interesting, compelling characters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, isn't there, there's a message in that, in and, and Michael Caine and Susan Sarandon and all the, them, in life, like, wh- why, even as you age, there's no reason to settle for the status quo, right? Like, whether you're an actor looking for a part or whether you're anybody in life. Uh, going out there and just trying to live your life day to day. There's no reason to settle for the status quo if you want something more interesting, more exciting. Just go for it. Make it. Yeah. And in the 60s, that's what uh, this generation did. And, you know, why stop when they make it into their own 60s -hmm. and beyond, right?
2: So you can find our uh, podcast on EverythingZoomer.com. It's Ages and Icons, and we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher.
1: Okay, so the film is My Generation, and uh, it's opening at different uh, dates uh, throughout September and October across Canada, depending where you are. So check your local listings, uh, your local movie listings for the times and Mm -hmm. theaters. Uh, You can check everythingzoomer.com if you're listening to this on the website. Uh, It's in the post for this podcast. We'll list the dates and uh, the cities there. And uh, that's it. So thank you so much to Kelly, as always, for letting us use her radio booth.
2: Thanks, Kelly.
1: And thank you to Gina. Thank you to Michael Kane. And thank you to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Ages and Icons. Bye.